What's up all you motorcycle enthusiasts and welcome to the V-Twin Life here on YouTube. We talk motorcycles powered by those V-Twins, what fuels our passion, why we enjoy it so much. V-Twin Life is brought to you by these two great companies, Crashing Clothing and Wild Ass Seats. Hey, you want to add some comfort to your ass when you're out riding, whether you're a 400 mile guy or maybe a guy that's pushing a thousand plus or female rider for that matter, hey, check out wild-ass.com and add some comfort to your ass. Can't forget Crashing Clothing, that Northwest brand out of the Pacific Northwest. Hey, these guys got a lot of great stuff from t-shirts to hats, raincoats, you name it. Hey, they can get you covered. Check out CrashingClothing.com. Now, let's dive into another milepost of the V-Twin Life. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another milepost of the V-Twin Life. We are, this is pretty big. We're milepost 78, which is awesome, but... We've now gone international. We got Rob and the Lady Biker tuning in down in Australia. That's pretty freaking cool. It's you know it is. evening time. I'm I'm having you know my cold beverage and she's having coffee. <laughs> oh oh, I've got here's one that'll warp most people's brains. I don't caffeinate. Can you imagine this on caffeine? Got a point. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, thank you for. Uh, I mean getting up early because it is what eight o'clock down there in the morning right now it's sunday for all yep. of us and you're in you're in the future you're in monday yes it's monday morning here over on the west coast of australia <clears throat> look yeah, at this way we're from one west coast to the other hey there you go nice i like it no yeah this i mean it seems weird you know a lot of people you're trying to figure out you know midwestern central time zone east coast and this threw a whole monkey wrench into it it's like man i really gotta we gotta really figure out how we can make this work because <laughs> what is it yeah poor, yeah it's not hours? too bad right now i'm sorry i think what a 15 hour difference something like from that. you it's yes big. yeah <clears throat> excuse me so how have everything been uh well now that we actually have the bikes have all of our stuff and we're able to get out and get around it's it's starting to kind of get back into a rhythm but there was it was about an eight month stretch there that was a little challenging and uh i could imagine yeah especially you know the six one six months and 21 days that i was without my bike but you know who's counting right yeah six months 21 days nah you weren't counting at all nope so did you know the heart did you get a rental at any point during that time just to get some time on two wheels or was it just flat out suffering oh no 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 i uh, actually two different things um the first time i rented from a place called west coast motorcycle hire and the gentleman that owns that has i think he's the only one that rents harleys here on the west coast if anybody in um here in australia is on and i'm wrong correct me <laughs> But um, so I, he has a gorgeous heritage that I rented twice. And one was the Mother's Day gift. And uh, the other was when Rob from Throttle Down Under, who has seasoned side chat. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, he was over here in Perth, he and his wife. And so we both ended up with loaner bikes for the day. And that was one of my first trips really outside of Perth to explore. And we had, uh, oh gosh, three other guys with us. And so it was me and the boys and uh, it was great. We went, we went up North to the Pinnacles, which is a stunning location. And it was, it was just a good day. So we did that. And then um, 
I have met an amazing group of female writers here called Glow, Gorgeous Ladies on Wheels. And there was a trip, a girls only trip down to a town called Kali. And one of the girls had a, uh, an extra bike, a Suzuki Boulevard. And she just called me up and said, come get the bike. And I'm like, <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was, I was able to ride a little bit, but, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing like your own bike. Right. I mean, it's just, and so many people ask why I didn't just sell Scarlet and buy something new here, but Scarlet's one that has an emotional attachment to me. And even though looking back, I would do things a little different moving forward, but I'm so glad I went ahead and shipped her. It was worth it. That must have been quite the experience. Just, I mean, uh, you know, I have that as one of my questions is, you know, you've had any advice you give somebody if they were doing, you know, a move like yours and, you know, going through the experience of trying to ship a bike down there and, you know, all the, I can only imagine the paperwork on all the stipulations and whatnot that got to go along with trying to ship a bike from here to there. The two biggest pieces of advice I would give, let's make it three. If you're traveling for just a trip, like, I was, I was listening to, um, who was it? Uh, Tulane Life uh, broadcast, and they had one of the co-owners or co-founders of Eagle Rider on. And some people had popped up, hey, I'm going to Ireland. Hey, I'm going here. I'm going there. Should we ship our own bikes? My answer, don't. It is, you, you can't control certain things, and so you can't guarantee your bike will be there. It's so much easier just to rent the bike and probably cheaper too. just rent the bike. You show up, it's ready to go. You drop your stuff in it. You're off your riding. You come back, you step off of it with your luggage and you're done. Um, so if you're traveling, just rent one. If you're moving, invest in a broker, get someone who understands the laws in both countries because that took so many headaches out of the whole process. Yes, you're going to pay for it, but it's worth every single penny because once we got here, everything went right through the system. Um, but be very clear about your expectations whenever before you sign anything because we thought we were and we weren't. <laughs> and a lot of things changed in the process okay. of, and um, yeah. So if I were to do it again in the future, I would be very uh, direct. And I want, no, I want this in writing. This is how often you will communicate with me. I want you to put in writing exactly how you're going to ship it. Just be very, very detailed and kind of a pain in the butt until you get exactly what you want. No, it's good advice. Because, I mean... Yeah. Because when we first started, they were supposed to be on a ship within two weeks, individually crated. Um, when it was all said and done, it took us three months to get them off the dock in L.A. Ooh. Yeah, it took longer to get them off the dock in L.A. than it did to get them shipped and through customs and delivered here. Wow. Yep. But yeah, I got my girl back. And, oh, yeah. 
but it was worth it because I've got her back now and yeah, you know, I've already put, I think in a little over a month, I've already put like 5,000 miles on her. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, might as well. Cause yeah, you're getting into what summertime down there. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're it's, all up it's here in the States getting, heading into the, the colder months and you're heading into the warmer months. Everything here is opposite of what I'm used to. I bet. But it's part of the fun. That's cool. I know I was looking back. It's like you were last. So you came on towards the beginning. Would have been actually was before we even called the mileposts. January 13th of 21 was episode 22 when you were on. That was even before I had taken the YouTube plunge. And, you know, it's yeah. it's always fun to catch back up. I mean, you're always, you know, in the side chat and when to do the episodes, you know, we've, you know, Facebook friends and it's a lot of fun to get you back on where you can do in this, you know, live and kind of face to face in a way and, you know, catch up and, and hear some stories and about, you know, now you're getting the adventures down under. Oh yeah, it is this place. Now I'm so looking forward to going East and I'm planning if I can pull it, if I can pull it off, I'm planning to ride across to the East coast and ride in Southern Australia, uh, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. So basically all the way up the, the Eastern side. And there's so many amazing motive loggers on the East coast that I want to connect with. So I've got it, but riding across Australia and riding across the U S are quite different because you can, you know, in the U S you might go, you know, what is it? Uh, maybe 50, 60 miles sometimes out and west between uh, fuel stations and like populated areas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Here you can go 125 to 150 miles. And then the next thing you find is nothing but a single pump with a card reader. And that's the only thing. And then it's another 100, 100 150 miles before you see any civilization. <laughs> So it's going to take a little different planning and I'm still having to work through the logistics on that. But, um, Oh, Hey, thanks Rob. Yeah. That's the view out my window on one side of my house. It's, I love it here. But, um, so it, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but it's, you know, just so much has changed since the last time I was on. I mean, not only just for me, but for you too, like I said, like you said, the first time we did this, it was completely audio. There was no visuals. Yeah. Yeah, with over the phone. Yeah. And you're like, give me a minute. I got to get this going. Okay, okay, I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little different back then. I've learned, I've grown a little bit, learned some new tricks, and, and still learning. I mean, I, you always, you know, it's like anything. It's a learning curve, and you keep learning, and you you progress as you go. Definitely. Uh, you know, talking about it whenever we were backstage before we went live about how you know, I was looking back at some of my early videos and I have a couple of like my very first ones that are still kind of evergreen videos, but I'm looking at them going, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that with nothing but my iPhone. And how the heck did I edit it again? <laughs> iMovie? And, yeah. You know, yeah. And then to see, you know, like the one I put up today where I did some in my helmet, some face to camera, some voiceover, um, you know, you, you just, you do learn. And in my, my job as a fitness instructor, 
in personal trainer, I told someone that was one of my things I tell all the new people coming in. The day you say I can't learn anything else is the day you need to stop what you're doing. Because there's always something to learn. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, down there, it's like when we were talking, like saying, you know, earlier before we went live is, you know, to me, I think the adjustment would be getting used to riding on, you know, as I'll put it, the wrong side of the road. <laughs> it would just be weird. I it, I don't know. I think it'd take a little bit for myself. Well, it, it is different. It, it didn't take me long as long as I'm focusing. Um, it took me about 30 minutes to get accustomed to, you know, where we have, you know, left turn lanes where you sit forever. Here it's right turns. And remembering, you know, okay, short left, long right. We're in the U.S. It's opposite. And uh, it's the only time I still have to kind of go is whenever I'm like I was saying is when something happens and you just have to react. Well, you know, since I was 14 years old, I was driving on the right hand side of the road. And now being on the left hand side, I want to go right. And that's like the worst thing you should do. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it, it is still taking, you know, a little bit. And there's certain things that, you know, if I'm tired, I know I cannot ride because that's where I'm going to make mistakes that will get myself and someone else hurt. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it is taking a little bit to um, I still walk up on our, our SUV that we got here. I still walk up to what is the driver's side and go, crap. That's the passenger side. Have <laughs> to walk around. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't think about that aspect too. I was just yeah. thinking a motorcycle was, but yeah, you, you get so used to, you know, you've driven that way forever, and then now you know you're six months into everything being flipped around, gotta oh yeah adapt and overcome. Well, uh, you know, even the night skies here are different, and street signs, the look and the positioning of street signs here are different. And, um, you know, you get out on these, I mean, what we call truly backcountry roads, but they're highways here. But you also have to keep in mind, um, and for anyone who's watching that doesn't realize this, the landmass of Australia is a, roughly the same size as the Continental 48. So, for like me here in Perth to someone in Sydney would be like going from San Diego to Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. Now picture that. Now the entire half, the Western half of Australia is one state. So for me to leave the state, I would have to, I would have to drive a ride probably two full days just to get out of the state. Holy cow. That's huge. Yeah. It is. It's really, it's, it's, it's different, but it is stunningly beautiful here. I don't know how to exactly describe it, but the colors are just more saturated. And maybe it's because it's such a dry environment here. We don't have the humidity in the air, but it is, you know, the, you know, and I, I rock up on a recent trip into uh, Calberry and a lake is truly bubblegum pink. It was the oddest thing I, and coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then the next day when we go down to the beach, 
the water is truly turquoise and the rocks are red and it's, it's stunning. It is. And the people here are amazing. Some of the most giving and friendly people I have ever met. So well, it's camping it's, video you did that, that water, you know, you're talking water cause that was beautiful too. the beach and yeah. everything else from your video that came out today. I was watching. It's like, God, oh, it's just gorgeous. It is. It is beautiful here. But I, the other side of it is, um, you know, the people in, uh, the people here are just, they're kind and they're, they're giving and they're, I don't know. It's, it's just, we're really grateful that the experience as difficult as it's been doing the whole transition, we've been blessed with some, with some truly good things here. That's cool. So. That's really good. Yeah. Actually, my, Springer Mike had a good question because what's the food difference? Is there much of a culture difference with food as compared, you know, to the United States? Oh my gosh. Okay. That food is just one aspect. If you want to talk about cultural differences, that's another cop topic that we can get into because it's the funniest thing is me trying to figure out their slang because it is so different than the U.S. So the food differences. Uh, yeah, Mike, um, it because we're so close to Asia, there's a very strong Asian influence to the food here. But it's also, um, they're very proud of their, their nation and their, the, the things that make them different. And so Australian cooking and using a lot of truly unique Australian ingredients is here too. And they so um, I have yet to try that yet. I have we, not gotten brave enough. <laughs> we house see, not to interrupt you, there's uh, the Perth Colts. They're out of Perth, Australia. They come up yeah. for a big tournament here in Port Angeles every year. They have now for three years. And the first year we housed two of the kids from Australia. And uh -huh. they were, we were talking about some of that, you know, the, the slang terms and the food and whatnot. And just the, the culture difference. We had so much fun with those kids. It was freaking hysterical. And, you know, they were oh, yeah. you know, rattling off some of that. And one of them actually brought a, a jar of Vegemite with them. It's like, holy Jesus. It was comical. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was so much fun with those kids. Yeah, that, that's one I haven't quite been brave enough to try yet. So, But my husband and I are foodies, so we love experimenting and trying. And, and the one thing that I do really appreciate here is um, in the U.S., finding certain Asian cuisines is not that easy. Because there's certain ingredients that the U.S. just doesn't have the right uh, climate to grow them in the quantities to make them kind of. Oh, what do you call it? To make it marketable. But here you get they're, they're readily available. And so we're really playing a lot more with Vietnamese and Thai and, you know, just different Asian cuisines. And it's it's really good. I'm enjoying it. So then again, I'm the crazy one who will say, well, I'll, you know, I'll try just about anything once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. that's good. But no, yeah, because even I, they were saying some like the food menus, even the names are different. Say if like if you went to McDonald's, and it's just some of the names of stuff that it's just totally different. I don't know. Oh, recent one. Um, 
a friend of mine reached out to me and cause I, I was getting her, I asked her to pick something up for me and she went, Hey, do you want me to post it to you? And I went, what? Post it. And it took me a minute and I actually, you know, was reading down the, cause it was a group thread and I got a little further down and it finally dawned on me, mail it to me. <laughs> and I went, Oh, Oh no, no, no. I'll see you in a week. I'll just get it from you then. Oh. And then, um, when we went to Kali and we all parked the bikes and this, the women of glow were hysterical. And the comment was, all right, everyone drop your stuff, put your onesies on. We're running to the bottle. O. And I'm like, um, okay. And they literally like 80% of the women that went and we had, I think 35 of us on that trip. It was a big group all come out in these like onesies get on their bikes. And it dawned on me when we pulled up, the bottle O is the liquor store. But it's a bottle shop because it's a shop full of bottles, right? And so it's been all these little things, you know, and uh, parking garages are car parks. Uh, RVs are caravans. It's just little things that you kind of, you pick up as you keep going. Um, To Daytona. Oh. Oh my goodness. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Monkey. <laughs> now you want to talk about another badass lady. That is oh, yeah. one. <laughs> the most viewed episode I ever had. And the I longest. Am not I am like not surprised at all. <laughs> oh, Bri, come on. <laughs> If you want me to, I don't think I could stand on my head right now. <laughs> it's still too early in the morning. <laughs> I know my wife had a good question. She wanted to know about spiders. Have you seen any big ass nasty spiders down there yet? No, I haven't. Oh, um, haven't seen any, you know, a lot of the things. And of course, where we've been camping and such have been somewhat organized environment areas. So we haven't seen a lot of the. Uh, even though they have signs up to be watchful for snakes, I haven't seen anything like that or the big spiders or anything. But the strangest thing is to wake up and you go outside your tent or your hotel room and there's kangaroos. <laughs> and trying to, question. yeah, and then trying to explain to people here that they are, they're basically Australia's white tailed deer. They're about the same size and mass, but um, they're stupid like deer are. And if the absolute wrong thing to do is exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. instead of seeing, you know, deer on the side of the road, you see kangaroos. Or an emu. Oh, yeah, the big old emus. Ostriches. Yep. Okay, Drew, he was asking, can you pop his up? Yep. All right. My kids asked me that before I left. Now, when I first got here, the structure of their toilets and how they manufacture them are different. So they don't, not all of them actually are spherical in the bowl like ours are. But I finally found one and you're, they do, it does go the other direction. It is, it freaks <laughs> out. It really does. <laughs> 
That's freaking good. <laughs> but it took a while because, you know, it, it's just like anything else. It's different manufacturers. Um, you know, they, they, they do things different. And that's been part of the whole experience is just embracing the differences. And, uh, you know, they don't have to be like us in the U.S. It's kind of fun that they're different. And it, it's different experiences, and it make it just makes everything more fun and more. Um, there's stuff to learn and people to meet and experiences to have. Because you know what, if we were all the same, it would be very dull. Yeah. So the other thing I was, you know, I mean, I brought up some questions like with motorcycling down there. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difference with octanes down there when you know for getting fuel wise? Is like you know back home you got the eighty seven, eighty nine, ninety two for premium. You know, is do they have you know is there uh, do you notice a difference with it or, you know, what is their octane levels like? Oh, yeah. 91, 95, and 98. And the bikes oh. do perform so much better. I bet. Oh, yeah. We get so much more power and and better fuel economy. Oh, yeah. You get the better octane, the better fuel in it, and they're going to perform better. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's why I just, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. random things. I was thinking the other night. It's okay. I got to, you know make notes of it. So I remember. And one of the questions I get quite a bit is what's the cost of fuel over here. So you have to kind of do the conversions of liters to gallons and then from Australian to us dollars. But fuel here is just a little bit less than what it is there on the West coast. So it's except for diesel. Diesel is stupid high right now. It's like, oh, it's stupid two, high here. Seven a liter. And there's that's almost what, four liters to a gallon. Oh, Jesus. That's, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. And the conversion rate right now is about, ooh, about, I think it's uh, 80, 80 US cents to the Australian dollar. So it's, you know, it's running at about six and a half, seven dollars a gallon for diesel here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know diesel where I'm at right now, I think we're around five fifty ish. Yeah. And then yeah, gas Every... I think five, five oh nine for unleaded. Oh, and it's petrol. It's not gas. It's petrol. <laughs> that was another one I had to get used to. <laughs> But yeah, Rob, I agree. I, I I put 89 any chance I get into, we put in both the girls. Um, yeah, our our bikes are the, are the girls, you know, Cherry and Scarlet. <laughs> so we put yeah. 98 in ours as well. And they they run amazingly well here. Oh, I bet it's like mine. It, I had the, when I did my Monsters Over Mountains run, one of the fuel stops we got to, they didn't have premium and they only had non-ethanol, 87 and my bike hated it oh god ran like horrible yeah didn't like it at all well that's that's one of the things because whenever you get out in the outback or in those long stretches where you might have like i said one pump in a card reader it's probably going to be 91 which the bikes will run okay on that but that's one of the things that i'm going to have to just remember to throw in the saddlebag when i make that trip is octane booster because they do run so much better and yeah, get yourself one of those uh, fuel reserve bottles just for an extra, just to have, especially like you're saying down there, you know, you get that vast wide open of nothing, you know, cheap insurance would be a little bit of extra bike, you know, fuel you can carry on you just in case you never know. 
Oh yeah. Even though, you know, those they're big touring bikes, so they have six gallon tanks. We can go, I could probably go 500 kilometers or a little over 300 miles on a tank. But <laughs> when you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah, yeah, it, it's worth it just to have a reserve bottle in, in, a, in a saddlebag. Oh, absolutely. Cheap insurance. Let's see, what else did I have? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, now, you know, you're, like we were talking earlier, the season's changing. Like, here, we're going winter, and you're just getting to the peak riding season down there on the other side of the hemisphere. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is, is where I am is has some of the best weather. I mean, absolute best weather. You can truly ride year-round here. Just, I used to joke how the riding season when we were in California was 350 days a year, and it's about the same here. Um, and even when they say that, you know, there's an 80% chance of rain, their weather, if you look, it may say 80% chance of less than one millimeter, which means it's going to sprinkle on you for five minutes and then it's gone. Um, nice. Ah, oh, thank you, Amy. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah it was fun. No, yeah, just, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, I, w- I was just going to, you know, come around. It's, um, you know, we, we women are still only about 20, 25% of the population as riders. Now, whenever you take into account all of the women that love to ride double up and that's where they feel comfortable and that's what they enjoy, you know, it's about 50, 50, but as far as riders, I mean, we're still the minority. And, uh, so it's really, there's something special about the late, you know, the women who ride there. There's, it's just a whole different, unique group of women. And yeah, most of them are badasses. (laughs) And I found them, I mean, the place is doing some research and whatnot, and the numbers of female riders in the last five years has grown dramatically, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. In the last 10 years, we went from like 7% to 21%. Which is super cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like we, you know, a lot of us, you know, yourself, I mean, even a lot of the guys in the side chat that we, you know, get to talk to is the motorcycle community as a whole is an awesome community to be part of. The support, the friendships, I mean, everything that, that goes oh, along yeah. with it, you know, you meet friends and, you know, they they become lifelong friends. And it's, it's an awesome group of people to be a part of. Oh, yeah. There's, you're never going to find anyone or any group collectively as amazing as the motorcycle community it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you ride it doesn't matter what your nationality your faith your skin color it doesn't matter it's a family and you know if you're on the side of the road broken down and another bike and there's no one there helping you and a biker comes by they're gonna stop that doesn't happen in a car and that doesn't happen anywhere else. And I'm finding that not only is it like that in the U S it's the same thing here. And, uh, so I would assume it's pretty much that way anywhere. And this, this community is just, 
the most accepting and the most inclusive I've ever been a part of. That's a good way of putting it. Very true. So now have you found a, you got a dealership down there in your area for when it comes to servicing or, you know, how have you getting around that aspect? So, you know, when you want work doing whatever to your bike, if you know, you guys are comfortable in doing it yourselves. Well, yeah, we have three in the, the Perth Metroplex, we have three Harley dealerships. And the one that I, I will go to without question, hands down is Perth Harley Davidson. Now, like with any Harley Davidson dealership, you're going to have people like myself who have had amazing experiences. And then you're going to have those that didn't have very good experiences. It just, you know, it, it depends on the day and the person, just a lot of different factors. But I think that's going to happen anywhere. I agree. I agree. But the group at Perth Harley have bent over backwards. They have done just as much research, if not more. They have invested time, energy, everything um, to help me. Like, Because when we brought the bikes over, the question was, what do we have to do to meet the, the laws here in Western Australia so we could get them registered? And you know, after all the research and all these different conflicting, uh, the service manager, Regan, came to me. He called me and he said, Robin, I am so sorry, but I, I, I've got a contact who has done this with other uh, makes. You know, he usually worked, the other guy, uh, Leon usually works on Suzuki's, Yamaha's, that sort of stuff. He's like, but at least he can get you started. And whenever I went to him and he's like, oh, you're a personal import. He's like, I can't do it, but let me call my friend who works in the department that you're going to have to go to. And so, I mean, that that's there again, the motorcycle community. And, um, you know, everything that we need, anything we need, like the next thing I'm going to do on Scarlet is get suspension. And, you know, Regan's already told me, well, just let me know. I've got you kind of tentatively in this, this week, we can get her done. And just let me know when you've got what, you know, when you're ready to pull the trigger and buy the suspension and get it done. And, you know, he's, yeah. And whenever I had to do a, um, or I just did a minor modification that I'm going to be doing a review on before long. Um, It was, it was, it was, I adore him. He's like, okay. Everything finally came in. Harley quit pushing the back order back. He's like, it's Monday afternoon. Can you have her in Wednesday morning? I'll get it done. And I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have just been amazing. Uh, the parts guys, I mean, all three of them. If I go in there and they don't have it, they will spend part of their day trying to track it down somewhere here in Australia to get it in as soon as they can. I mean, they, they've just been amazing and they have earned my trust. Yeah. I can bet shipping. I mean, if someplace didn't have it could be a bit of a nightmare when it's got to come halfway around the world. It could be a, a well, bit of a time consuming crunch. It is. And, you know, Perth is, is uh, tagged the most remote city in the world. Because it is hours from anything. <laughs> um, the only people I think that might have more trouble with shipping would be those in Tasmania. Yeah, because that's down even farther south off Australia, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's. Although I can't wait to go ride that in a few years. 
That's yeah, February twenty. February of twenty four. Going to meet up with uh, the, all the Australian motor vloggers, and we're riding Tassie for five days. That would be an epic experience. Oh yeah, truly epic. That and next, um, well, summer for y'all, winter for us. Uh, yeah, I bet they do struggle to get stuff. Um, in July, like I was telling you earlier, the ladies aglow, and we're doing a, a week long trip to Phuket, and we're going to spend half of it just hanging out and all that. But um, the other half of it's so we're going to spend about three or four days just riding in Thailand on motorcycles. I'm so ready for that experience too. <laughs> oh yeah, and really, uh, I mean, what's would that be flight wise? I mean, not drastically long for you down there to get to thailand it's about like trying to get over to uh the yucatan and mexico okay it's not that bad i think it's like a four or five hour flight it's not bad oh no that wouldn't be bad at all then mm-hmm. you guys just gonna do like a eagle rider basically like we were talking earlier you're just gonna rent bikes up there and hit the road and go that's the thing that's still being discussed because I, when we go, I definitely am going to want a smaller bike trying to ride in Thailand because of the topography and the roads and everything. I don't know if I want to put one of her big ass Harleys on, on those <laughs> roads there. Cause there's some areas that, um, yeah, I'm thinking that one's going to be, you know, a little 400, 500 CC bike. <laughs> Tell you what the Boulevard, those C50s are 800s and, they are super comfortable. They have a low seat height mm-hmm. and they perform well. I mean, I had one for years and it was a great bike. Well, my friend Kathy, when she loaned me her, her Boulevard, and I want to say it was a 800. I'd have to reach out to her and ask her, but that was one of the best balanced bikes I've ever ridden. Yeah. That's when I, the C50 was the 800, the C90s were their 1500s. And the C, yeah. those were the cruiser models. They had the S lineup, which was, you know, kind of a sport standard. I mean, still cruiser style, but just total different seating position and ergonomics to it. But, yeah, the, my C50 I had, even Amy, my wife, she loved it. It was a comfortable riding bike. Yeah. Very well balanced. You had a super low seat height on it. And, no, I, I had no oh, yeah. complaints about that bike whatsoever. Yeah, it was it was a great bike. I'm... Any t- I told her, anytime you're just needing it ridden, call me. I'll come over and get it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what else you got planned coming up? Any? I know you're, you guys have been doing your uh, moto camping and getting out exploring mm-hmm. on the bikes. Well, Thursday we're heading out to uh, – came in contact with another group of ladies, and these are all women that are seriously into camping from tents to – out of their car to caravans or RVs. Um, so we're going to be doing a, they think it's weird because they show up with their, their SUVs and everything packed. I mean, literally packed to the ceiling with stuff. And Allie and I show up with, you know, three bags on the backs of our bikes <laughs> and set up our <laughs> camp. And they're like, you are, I am so impressed at how lean you, you camp. And I'm like, sister, there's only so much room on this bike. <laughs> Just say it. Um, so, uh, you know, we, um, we're doing that. And then in two weeks, we're heading down to the Kern Valley 
which is kind of like for Western Australia, it's closer to what you would see around the sequoias and the redwoods and all of that. So that's in three weeks. And then I'm going to do a track days with the girls. So we're going to, we're heading back down to Collie, which has a raceway. And we're going to spend the day get doing basically like performer bagger stuff and, oh, you know, learning. Oh yeah. Learning new techniques. And then I have a daughter coming in and then it's my 50th birthdays coming up in February. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know it's weird. I'm not old enough in my brain. I'm still 24. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that trip, we're going to go down, um, down on the coast. And then we're going in March with glow again to this place called Esperance. And it's again, one of those where you see the pictures and go, ah, that's gotta be Photoshopped. It's not, it's now, you know, a bunch of them are like, yeah, we're going to take our bikes and we're going to go ride on the beach. And I'm like, you do realize that my bike is like 850 pounds, like <laughs> 385 kilos. Nah, we'll have to see how packed that sand is. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then Margaret River, and then I'll be coming back to the U.S. in May because one of my babies is graduating college. Nice. And uh, Congratulations. Yeah, I'm so proud. The youngest one is the first one to graduate. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, um, you know, and then of course, like I said, Phuket and Tassie, but, um, one of the things, and we're in the very beginning stages of this is, and at first I thought, okay, this was one of those where everyone had, you know, it was like four drinks in kind of conversations, but no, they really want, want to do it. Uh, we'll probably be bringing a group from here in Perth to California for, and we're going to start with babes right out. Because the girls have heard about Babes Ride Out and they want to do it. So we'll start there and then that will follow on with two weeks of riding just the western half of the U.S. And, you know, taking them to places like the Grand Canyon and Zion and Monument Valley and the Million Dollar Highway and um, through the Sequoias, maybe the Redwoods. Um, Head up to Washington, hit that North Cascades Highway. A lot of it's going to depend on the group. Because it's a real mixed group with experience. And uh, so, yeah, it's just going to depend on how much we can cover in that time frame. But, you know, if I could get them up into like Yellowstone and Beartooth and across, uh, what oh, is it, 12 oh. across uh, Montana, Idaho into Washington, where it's that 99 uh, miles winding roads. Uh, highway 2. Is it 2? I think it's Highway okay. 2. Yeah, and then of course you know they're along the Columbia Gorge, and then catch up into. Oh no, I know you're talking about Highway 12 that goes from Montana down to Idaho. That's Lolo Pass. Yeah, through the Lolo Pass. Yeah. Yeah, through the Beartooth Mountains. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, but it, you know, being able to show them because so many people, it's it's really interesting hearing some of the misconceptions of what people think of from the news that they see about the U S and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let, let me come, come and let me show you the beauty that is America. And so, yeah. And of course we got to take them on route 66, of course. I mean, come on. Well, that, I mean, Idaho has, I mean, Idaho, Utah with all their state parks, it's one place I've been down to Salt Lake city one time. 
which actually we drove down there to pick up a motorcycle. My dad and my best friend's like my brother. But I I so want to do Utah through Zion Arches and oh. Canyon Reef. And I, I want to go – one place I want to go see that's towards the top of my bucket list for sure. <clears throat> Bryce Canyon. Add that to the list. Bryce Canyon yeah. is stunning. Yeah. That would be awesome. I know – we did this year. We did the uh, Grand Tetons, and though that was freaking amazing coming across. I know, right? Oh, it was just beautiful. You're on Teton Pass, me. You're ten thousand feet elevation. It's like holy cow, and you could tell you were hard because those Top Gear roll-ons came on a little bit slower at that <laughs> elevation. But all oh, the scenery and everything through Wyoming, coming across the Tetons was just beautiful. And we came down through yeah. one of the valleys outside Jackson. There's a massive herd of buffalo and. Mm-hmm. my son hey hey dad you want to go take a selfie i'm like dude i'm not right i'm not taking a selfie with buffaloes let's go <laughs> and i saw one we were coming up on a corner and there's a big tree and i seen the bison to the right of the tree and he was coming towards the highway and you know got on the we had the lexans and i got on the intercom with hayden i'm like hey go easy and kind of come wide through that corner i said there's a buffalo behind that tree I mean, that would be the last thing you want to do is run into a freaking buffalo on the highway yeah but I, mean, I was going to say taking it, taking it easy through that area, but seeing wild buffalo was uh, was amazing. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, we saw them in Yellowstone. Um, oh gosh, the summer of twenty one. Twenty, yeah, twenty one. We saw we saw a bunch of them there. Have you ridden Beartooth yet? No, not yet. All right, when you do, and there's like the Chief Joseph highway as well that's close to it you got to ride both you got to ride both because i mean you're riding along and all of a sudden you realize you're at twelve thousand feet and the road is like a lane and a half wide (laughs) no guardrails no nothing (laughs) well now i know my wife i mean amy's gonna say hell no if there's big cliffs she ain't doing it oh it's not cliffs it's just you're riding like um, a ridge line so it's but it, it is, it's worth it. it. It's. I've seen some videos you know, of it. It just looks beautiful and just awesome scenery and topography. Oh yeah. I think I burned out three, three GoPro batteries just on that part of the ride. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's amazing. I I'm so ready to, yeah. I, and it, just like when I lived in Europe in the early 2000s, being here, it really makes you, as much as you're enjoying and you're loving where you're at in the moment, it does make you really appreciate home. Understandable. So, well, actually on that one, you know, is Australia going to be your home permanently, you think? Or will you end up maybe in five, ten years down the road coming back to the States? No, our current plan because our current uh, work visa, we still have three and a half years on it. Uh, but the project that my husband was brought here, because we came here for his work. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they've already told him that if things progress the way they anticipate it, they will extend the visa at least another two years. So we're looking at probably a total of six years here. But all of our kids are in the U.S. You know, right. it's Hardly I like it here. But I don't want to be away from my babies, even though my babies are old enough to have babies. Oh, gosh. Ugh. I understand. I am uh, 100% understand that one. Yeah. But, you know, you don't want to be on the other side of the world from them forever. Right. 
So yeah, we'll be we'll be coming back. The question is is when we come back, where do we want to settle? And we've talked about oh, everything oh. from Texas to Arkansas to Tennessee. Um, we don't know. We have time to think about it and figure it out. Yeah. We joke how uh, we don't know what we're going to want to be when we grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that. I just look out windows all day, every day, you know, sit there and drive down the road in my semi and look out the window and haul yeah. lumber from one place to the next. Oh, wow. Yeah. You do come from that country, don't you? Yeah. Yep. Um, I was just, no, I, another thing popped up from Springer Mike about mountains here in Australia, um, here in Western Australia, not so much. We've got foothills. You know, if you're if you're talking like Appalachians, Rockies, I would say more towards the lower parts of the Appalachian kind of topography. Um, but you get over east, I think southeast. And I think Rob from Throttle Down Under dropped off already. I think he had to get to work. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think over somewhere on the eastern side, they do have some pretty good sized mountains that get snow. And that's where all the... Uh, the snow skiing and such for Australia is. So I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So I know it was weird. I remember years ago I was watching ESPN and they were snow skiing in Australia. And to me, it just seemed really weird. I'm like, you, you always think of everything you see of Australia, just, you know, a vast desert in a way, you know, really dry, mm -hmm. super hot. And it's like, they have snow. Okay. Didn't see that one coming, but yeah, it was just well, kind of weird. I mean, Think about the U.S. I mean, if yeah. what the U.S. was primarily known for was, you know, the the desert southwest, mm -hmm. seeing True. the swamps of the Gulf Coast would be mind blowing. Um, it, you know, and they've got such a vast topography here. Now, there again, it, it's all, you know, it's different. We ride north in the winter to get to the heat. And we ride south in the summer to get away from the heat. <laughs> um, yeah. But you go up. A, you know, a change. It is. But you get up north of us. And that's what we've been riding because it's been the winter. We go north so it gets a little warmer. Is um, It's very desertous and a lot of sand and, and limestone and that kind of stuff with low scrub brush. Not a lot of trees unless they're non-native. Um, but when you go south of Perth, you're getting into all the eucalyptus, the Jera, the, oh gosh, I'm still learning all of them, the Kerry, all these different trees that are unique and, and special to Australia. And they're big. And there's one near, we would call it Albany. Here it's Albany. <laughs> um, but they have a, a treetop walk. So they have trees that are similar to the sequoias. And instead of driving through them, they're actually rope bridges strung. And you can walk along the treetops amongst these giant trees. That would and be I'm like, freaking cool. Yeah, I'm wanting to go do that. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to try and plan a trip. Um, one of our kids will be here through uh, her winter break in college. And, uh, I think we're going to plan get a trip. Some video of that. I would love to see a video of that. That would be freaking cool. What do you think? You don't hardly you don't go to the grocery store without doing a video <laughs> when you're a motor vlogger. Come on. 
<laughs> I know. I'm trying to get the courage up for more stuff. It's like, I got all these videos, and it's like, I'm just scared to put them together. But I just got to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're not going to be happy with, with any of them. Um, advice? Get it to 85% good enough and turn it loose into the world. You're going to learn from every single one you do. Good advice. Very true. Because if you're waiting for it to be perfect, it'll never be perfect. Yeah, that's that's very true. So true. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Been a it while. It has been. Yeah. I know I had some other ones, but I'm trying to. I had a, another great question, but I got to get back to my notepad here. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I've been known to talk to a uh, to a brick wall, so that's not a problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> HD. AV traveler. <laughs> you know, I'm coming back to Texas. I'll be back there in May. Got to go see my bike because I've got three kids in three different universities in Texas. One of them's finally graduating. Oh, we get one off the payroll. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, in May, I'll be back in Texas. So, home sweet home. Oh, yeah. I may go at a lot of different places in the world, but I will always be a Texas girl. Well, yeah, you always know the place that feels like home, and you know it just takes you back. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. That was the other one. So I watched your your camping video today. So I had two questions. Do you guys pack a small cooler when you go on trips like that? Just you know, for whether you know water or maybe little condiments and stuff you want for your food, where you got a small cooler on your bike, or do you not? Yeah, yeah, we um we have one. We're looking at trying to figure out if there's a way for us to either get a larger one or go to two small ones. But typically what we do when we're moto camping, because, you know, when you're camping off the bike, space is at a premium. Sure. Um, but usually we will eat lunch out. And after lunch, we'll go buy a local grocer wherever we are and buy dinner and breakfast and a bag of ice. And that's pretty much what we do every day. Yeah, I was just curious about that. I mean, like, you know, for me, when a bunch of the guys, when we did the uh, Monsters ride, you know, I strapped, took my backrest out, and I picked up a nice, heavy, insulated cooler. And half the water bottles that I put in there, I just froze them. So they actually acted as my ice block. And then, yeah. you know, some little snacks and other water bottles just to, you know, stay hydrated. And I had that strapped in my back seat. So that basically became my backrest. And, you know, my cooler to keep, you know, whatever you need to cool and, and whatnot. It worked out great. Yeah, that, that this one, um, I found it that, that summer that we did that big trip in it on my, in my playlist, it's the, it was the epic summer, road, epic summer road trip. And that's where we did California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Aris, uh, a little bit of Nevada, Arizona, and then back into uh, California. 16 days off a bike. Oh, that's and, um, awesome. I think yeah, I but whenever that. you're, yeah, but when you're rolling into Vegas in early August, Ooh. yeah, we that's found so hydration packs, you know, a camelback or a variation thereof. And so that's usually what we do is, well, and that's why we get the ice because, you know, you start off with frozen, but you can't necessarily 
you know, you're on day two, it's, it's already melted. So we do the ice and we'll fill it with ice and then fill it up with water. Mm-hmm. And it, it pretty much keeps it cold a good chunk of the day. And uh, we'll go through liters and liters and liters of water that way, where otherwise I usually don't drink enough and end up dehydrated. And where it's no different here. I did that last summer, or was it this summer? My son had a baseball over in Yakima in eastern Washington. And we were getting ready to leave, and it was 115 degrees. I'm like, yeah. I got to do something. So before the game was over, we'd rented dicks, and I bought a camel pack and opened the cooler, and I filled the whole thing full of ice and then water. And I only made it, shit, an hour. We got stuck in some traffic <laughs> at the Cascades on a side pass, and I was already out of water. And it was like a two-and-a-half-liter yeah. camel pack, and luckily the wife was behind me, so refill. There you go. Went through so much water and it was so freaking hot. But yeah, those yeah. camel packs definitely can come in handy when, when traveling for sure. Especially, you can just keep you know drinking on the fly. Well, that. But we also find it forces us to stop at regular interval intervals because you have to find a a bathroom somewhere. When you're yeah, drinking enough, if you're not, then you're not drinking enough. If you're not finding those bath stops, which is a, a simple oh, way yeah. to keep yourself in check. You know, if you're not stopping for a bathroom, then you're not drinking enough water in those situations, which is a, can be crucial to yourself. Oh yeah. But yeah, we it's, we're finding how much of it translates here. And um, it's going to be interesting because we are just coming into spring here. And like this week, it's supposed to get up to the mid eighties, about 30 degrees C. And then the next day, it's going to be mid-60s, like 19 degrees C. And, uh, yeah, I'm having to do all these weird conversions in my brain, and it's messing with me. Oh, I don't Um, doubt that one bit. But once it turns hot here, it turns, like, south, like Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Mississippi, hot. So in the and, summertime uh, down there, do you, do they get the humidity like the South or? No, it's, it's fairly dry. It's okay. pretty dry here. Even though we're four miles from the beach, it's still very, very dry. Kind of like the, the coast of California, okay, the Southern curious. coast of California. So the other question on your video, you guys, you know, you got off the paved road, you kind of going down the dirt road. It looks like you'd almost might've had a little, incident because the clip i saw i seen your handlebars going crazy for a second then you dove off out of the uh what we call the cat tracks and it's like oh that looks like it got a little sketchy for it for a second it did (laughs) i noticed my um, shit and then hit the shoulder where it's smoother well that um, that particular uh place it's about a two and a half hour ride north of where i live Mm -hmm. and you do like seven K three, four miles on sealed pavement. And then once you get to like the information place and then you get past that, the next two to three K, depending on how far back into the park you go is all dirt and it's maintained dirt. Uh, but that first probably 500 yards is very washboard. And, um, yeah, 
you know, to be able to, and I'm, I'm pretty good running clutch and throttle, but you know, at certain speeds, it just starts, you know, your front wheel just starts walking and I'm like, and let's just move on over. <laughs> let's but, get yeah, to some smoother ground. Yeah. And, but then you have to be careful because then you can get into deep sand. Right. Yeah. All the so silt and build up on the side. Yeah. True. Yeah. So you really have to, um, yeah, being here and there, I've read more dirt since I've been here than I ever did ever before in my life. And uh, it's definitely pushing my skills. I could see that. It's, yeah, that's, you know, because when you're you're on a, you know, a bagger, you know, even like yours, you know, your Road King, they're not small, they're not light bikes. And you get into some of that, you know, the back roads and whatnot on dirt, even a good smooth dirt road but still have some gravel on top it's gonna move you around and yeah yeah it's a definite learning curve and a whole new respect for that road i guess is a good way to put it oh yeah oh yeah it's it's definitely given me a respect for those that ride adv bikes and ally has wanted a gs 1250 for years years and years and years <laughs> And I keep telling them, go buy the damn bike, baby. No, you know, and I I went, okay, if it makes you feel better, I'll go buy one with you. (laughs) You you can go get the Pan American and get the GS. There you go. I want to. Oh, Perth Harley's already told us that they'll loan us a a Pan America for the weekend (laughs) if he wants to try one. Yeah, those GSs are tried and true and proven. They are. You, you, when it comes to adventure touring, I mean, that's the best name of the game right there. Uh, one of the, the dealerships that we frequented whenever we were in California, Santa Maria. So they were a Harley, a BMW, and a Honda dealer. And you have to understand because it was almost in the middle of nowhere in that part of California. And uh, they did a demo day and they invited the local leaders that I was a part of. And so we got to try all these different bikes. So, you know, I got to try the, um, the 1250 RT. Nice bike. Uh, I tried the R18 from BMW. I tried the Honda Rebel, their uh, automatic one. Mm-hmm. I mean, all great bikes. But Allie got to try the GS 1250. And he came back and he stepped off and he pulled his helmet off and he went, I'm in lust. <laughs> a buddy of mine, he bought one. It was just before we were doing the Monsters Over Mountains. He had a, I think his was an 800. And he didn't think it was enough that he could keep up on the highway. So he went and bought a 1200, 1250, I think it was. Yeah. GS. Like the week before the ride. He's like, I want to make sure I can keep up. I'm like, really? And he pulls up. He's like, damn. I mean, he bought it used, but it only had like 4,000 miles. The guy had done well, all the suspension. Right yeah. It had the upgrades. I mean, you know, all the panniers on at the tour pack, upgraded suspension front and rear, the GPS from BMW. I mean, the list of upgrades this thing had that the individual put on it was unreal. And, oh, that bike was impressive. And the funny thing that I, I laughed about, it's like he would only fuel up it every other gas stop for us because he's got a nine gallon freaking gas tank yeah that's got to be nice holy crap the range is unbelievable those things are designed to go out here in the outback and just go 
I know. Personally, um, I am not looking at the Pan America for one reason and one reason only. They only have a 1250. And if I've got all my panniers and all of that and I'm on a dirt road and I drop it. Yeah. I don't know if I could pick one back up by myself. Not not fully loaded like that. I would have to completely unload it. I'm um, waiting to see if they're going to bring out that because they have the smaller revolution engine. I believe once they was a 900. I'm waiting to yeah. see if they're going to bring out a Pan American with this smaller engine. I think that'd be genius if Harley did. It would. And if they did, I would probably go with it because I'm, I love Harleys. I, I, I have a respect after riding with all the women that I ride with here who ride KTMs and BMWs and Suzuki's and Yamaha's and Honda's and, I have a real respect for each bike has something that's truly unique and special about it. I love I Harleys. I truly love Harleys. And right now the BMW GS 750 is the one that if I was to go and buy a bike today, that ADV bike, that'd be the one I'd buy. But if Harley will come out with a smaller Pan America, Ooh, that'd be a tough one. <laughs> I would love to have, a BMW GS. I mean, I would love to do the Alaska, go up to Alaska and ride up to the North Pole or not the North Pole, but up to the Bering Sea. I think it'd yeah. be awesome, you know, do the Dalton Highway. But I think on a, you know, an ADV bike would be the way to go. I've seen many people have done it on their baggers or Harleys and hey, much respect to those individuals, but I'd rather do it on a bike that's built for that road. Well, it, and I forget who popped it up. It was up somewhere in the, the comments earlier asking if we'd ever looked at buying a trailer to trailer our bikes. Oh, that was pretty Yeah. Or I don't think and that, so much it was a, here it is, a trailer to pull behind your bike. Yeah. And so what we're actually looking at, because we have a 4x4 Prado, which is, uh, it's, it's just not too dissimilar from the 4Runner. And so what we would love to do, because once you get into the outback, half the roads are sealed, half of them are dirt. And even the highways are maintained dirt roads. <laughs> and you can only do so much of that on, you know, a road king. Um, one of the things we'd love to do is to get a rooftop tent for our Prado. And then they have the most amazing setups where you open the back door and you pull out a tray and you've got your like mini fridge cooler and all of your camp yeah. stove and everything, and then have the bikes on the back. So, you know, we can drive to a location, even if we have to go, you know, 100, 200 K, you know, 100, 150 miles on a dirt road before we get back to some place that has sealed roads that are right for the big touring bikes. Um, that's one of the things we've looked at, but you know, if we end up with a pair of ADV bikes, we'd probably travel on those. <laughs> well, you're talking about that. I know, um, ARB makes a 280 degree awning. For a lot of those rigs, yeah. it goes all the way around. So you get your rooftop tent. You can put an awning yep. all the way around your vehicle. And so, you you know, you got protection of the weather, too. And Australia has some, they get some really sweet Toyotas down there. They're Land Cruisers. And oh, the, yeah. The trucks they get that they don't sell up here in the States with the diesels in them. And you, you guys do down there have some 
sweet toys that you can play with too when it comes to four wheels. Oh yeah, that's, I mean, that's an area that we don't know too much about because I mean, anytime I've ever gone off road, it's always been on like a, well, back in the day, it was a three wheeler, you know, or the, what do they call them? Quads. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've done that, but you know, getting off in a, in a true four, four by four situation, I haven't really done yet. And uh, so that there's a learning curve there still too, but yeah, the, the diesels they have here and I mean, they're designed for the way people travel here mm -hmm. and uh, like the campground we were in and I only showed little clips of it in my video because we hiked the whole way and there were sections that you really do need a four by four, not so much for the four by four pull, but for the clearance because it's very rocky. It's all that. So there's sections that we couldn't get to, but there were some sections that they call the bush site that as long as the road's been maintained, we could probably get our road Kings back there. So um, it really does depend here because some things you do need a four by four, you need that clearance. But right. uh, so it's just, you know, it's learning new things and expanding the channel a bit. And so as we, get a little bit more into it and figure out how to, how everything works here. And, you know, you, the it's budgets are so disrespectful of us wanting to buy toys, you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, having to budget out some things. Um, yeah. We're going to be expanding and doing some things. Cause you know, you can't be here and not take advantage of the amazing opportunity it is to explore in a part of the world we never thought we would ever see. Good point. That's that's very well said. Yeah, yeah, you're in a beautiful piece of the world and might as well see as much of it as you can and the I don't know if limited time is right, but I mean you like you're figuring you guys have a few years there, but time flies. We all know how fast time goes by. So Well, whatever I realized, I'm already Yeah, I'm already booking out like half of my twenty twenty four is already booked out with trips. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Plan ahead. Oh, oh but some but of yeah, those adventures, I, I can't wait to see your videos and stuff you do from those. It's gonna, especially Tasmania. That would be so freaking cool. Oh yeah. Even I'm Thailand, so looking I mean, forward to it. Be awesome. I mean, I've seen some videos and, you know, pictures and whatnot, but it's still nothing compared to seeing it with your own eyes. Yeah. And, you know, you realize cameras don't, they just don't do it justice. They really don't. Oh, I don't doubt that. Yeah. So actually, Mike had one. I think you kind of touched on this. You know, what do you have to do to your bikes to register them for Australia? Was there, you know, I know you talked a little oh. bit about some of the struggles and whatnot, but. Oh, that was just getting them shipped. Once we got them shipped and got them here, um, now Allie's bike we got his bike here on like a Friday afternoon. They had Cherry on a lift on Tuesday doing the mods we needed. I think two weeks after we received her, she was, you know, everything we needed, she was registered. Um, all that they had to do is, and I didn't realize this, but they're um, on our odometers 
Did you know that Harleys, you can switch them back and forth between miles and kilometers on your handlebar? No. Yeah, I, I learned it. It's really quite easy. But they have to plug it in and convert it from U.S. Um, to the international settings. So that was like a plug-in, type on the computer, verify that it went through and unplug it. And on the back of both of ours, we had the red auxiliary uh, brake running turn signal lights on the back, LEDs. Mm -hmm. And you can't have them red here. They have to be amber. So that was really the only modification that we had to do was just taking the... stupid. Oh, it... You know what? They probably would say that about some of our laws in the U.S. too. So I, I don't know. I, I just think of it as yeah. a, a safety aspect. You know, all of us. You know, the biggest thing: the more lights you can have, especially on the back, the, oh. the safer you can be. But yeah, when they don't won't allow them red, they got to be amber. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. Yeah, and they cannot be running lights. They have to be turn signals only. Hmm. And yeah, it, it's all. It was. You know, it was. I'm. I'm thinking the same as you. It's a safety thing. Let me leave them red. But they don't do that here. So it was really the only change. My problem that we found out with Scarlett and what took her so much longer was my ABS module was blown. And when he and I had gone out to the Sequoias, I had just had the tires replaced on Scarlett. And when they put the rear tire back on, you know, shit happens. The, uh, the wires for my brake light and turn signals were popped out of the clip. So they were just rubbing on the tire and it created a short, you know, so I'm riding along in what was it Visalia, um, California. And all of a sudden my speedometer, my, all my electronics went dead. It was, I mean, I could still ride her. It didn't die on me, but all the, everything in my instrument cluster went blank. And uh, so there again, great experience with the Harley dealership. We got her over there. They got her in within two hours. They figured out what the problem was and fixed it. What we didn't know is the ABS module is like two thirds of it is, uh, is the mechanical hydraulic pump. The other third of it is the electronic sensor pack. And it was that sensor pack was fried. So I didn't, and I was riding on it for like eight months in the U.S., and I had multiple close calls because it would lock up my rear my rear brake. And I, when I talk about close calls, I mean one where I it locked up going around a corner, and I did this and then down into a um, into a parking lot, and you know I was probably down to five miles an hour whenever I finally just laid her down. And, um, so, you know, just several things like that. I didn't know it. Well, had we not been where they had to change some things on the rear of the light assembly, we would have never known it. Riding her now is like riding a completely different bike. See, that happened to a friend of mine, uh, Frank O'Neill. He's known as watch out for us on social media. He was doing an iron butt, uh, I want to say it was one of the season change ones. And he was like 800-ish miles in when that sensor went out on the rear of his bike and stopped him. Friday yeah. was the same thing you said. It locked up his brakes, and he was done. He couldn't go anywhere. And it was the ABS sensor on the rear of his Road King 
that stopped his, mm -hmm. you know, ride that night. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that doesn't happen often. It's, it's rare. It's like less than 1% of all road Kings ever made. Does this happen to, or, you know, since they've put the ABS module on them. Um, so it's not something that when you go in for your oil change, that they're just going to check there, right. unless you right. go in knowing there's a problem. And, and the funny thing is, is they couldn't figure out what's going on. They put it on the machine and they checked all the electronics and they couldn't find it. And the Harley dealership that I trust Perth has a sister one Rockingham and they share a master tech and the master tech was up in Perth and he looked at it and he's like, well, I don't know what's going on. And it was his apprentice <laughs> that went, uh, I think I found it. <laughs> so it was someone who's training to be a master tech who found hey, the there problem. You go. And so, yeah, they still give him shit for that. <laughs> Hey, why not? That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, so they oh. found it. But then, of course, it was on back order. And, you know, okay, it'll be here in three weeks. Three weeks comes around. Oh, they pushed it back four weeks. Oh, well, they pushed it back another four weeks. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but fortunately, because I didn't have any vehicle registered under my name, we're able to call my bike my primary mode of transportation. So the day that the first one hit Australia, it was shipped immediately and I got it. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Hey, that worked out. It, it still was a little bit of a delay, but. Yeah, but as soon as a part was available, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So anything yeah, like status. that. That's, <laughs> yeah. So anytime I have something that's a safety issue, that's how it goes into the system because it's the only vehicle I registered in my name. Oh, Shit, that's smart. There you go. So I automatically go to the front of the line. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. Well, shoot, man. Thanks for, uh, yeah. I guess, getting up early. I would say, you know, take time out of your evening like most people. But uh, since you're on the other side of the world, it's your morning time, my evening time. Yeah. And no, this has been a lot of fun catching up. It's been a while and it's always fun. It has been good. It's been a long time. I know whenever you said... February of 21. I'm like, man, yeah. that's been a while. Yeah. January 13th of 21 episode 22 was when you got introduced to the V twin life. And, you know, we, we built the friendship after that. And here we are almost yeah. over 50 episodes later and we get you back on YouTube and hang out and hear stories of all your new adventures from the land down under. It is. It's, it's definitely an experience. It's one it's one I'm glad I'm, I'm having. It's, uh, it hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it. I think in a situation yeah. like that, none of them are going to be easy, especially moving halfway across the world. But, you know, you you adapt, you overcome, and you explore new regions and have epic adventures. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's life. True. Well, thank you. I mean, you got anything you want to plug? Let anybody know where they can follow your adventures or anything you got coming up that you want to share with the world? Oh, just, you know, um, my primary platforms are here on YouTube. And then my secondary is Instagram, Robin, the lady biker. Um, I do have some Facebook presence, but not much. Um, <clears throat> but it's, 
it's kind of hard for me to say, you know, any special adventures or whatever going <laughs> on because I'm still learning, you know, and someone's like, oh yeah, you know what you go here and you hear and you go here and, and then you're there. And I'm like, um, can you show me on a map? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. literally everything we do is new. And uh, so, yeah, put one up about our trip up to Durian Bay to Sandy Cape. Oh, Calberry. If you want to see some unique footage, it was a it was a three video series. Um, and it's one of my top ones on my playlist right now, if you go and look. But uh, that was a beautiful area. I mean, totally beautiful area. And uh, and let me and. If you're ever here in Australia, people reach out because I can connect y'all with some fun people here in the motorcycle community. It is, they're, they are a unique, special, crazy, you never know what you're going to get into group. And I adore them. <laughs> That's awesome. I need to win yeah. the lotto so I can come down there and hang out for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. We got a spare bedroom. Oh, shit. Don't tempt me. Oh, damn it. And I know fun. someone, oh. I can hook you up with a great rental company to, so you can rent you a, a street glide or something while you're here. Oh, hey, even, crap. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, thank you so much, Rob. This has been so much fun. It, it, it's always good catching up. And, you know, I've, like I said, I've, you know, the biggest thing of this is the friendship I built with everybody. And, you know, you were one of the first people and the, you know, first 20 ish that had came on. So it, it's great to, mm -hmm get you back again and, you know, continue the adventures and, and hear what's going on. So thank you very much for coming on and, and hanging out. Well, thank you so much for asking. I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I've got to get into my Monday. I've got another video to get edited before. So I, so I have something for Thursday before I go camping. Hey, there you go. More moto camping. I'm jealous. So, Hey everybody, oh, yeah. thank you for tuning into mile post 78 with Robin, the lady biker. And Hey, follow her on Instagram, YouTube, and follow her adventures as she's enjoying the great moto camping when we're all coming into winter. We're all a little jealous, Robin. Hey, well, thank whenever you so it's much. all beautiful, I'm, I'm cold, so it works there you out. Go. Perfect. <laughs> hey, everybody, ride safe, have fun, enjoy the open road, and stay tuned for the mile post 78, or excuse me, 79 for the guests we got coming. It's going to be a good time. Hey, see you all guys later. Good night, everyone.